Hey, everybody. Welcome to the For the Win podcast. I'm your host, Hamel Javeri. My guest today is Tommy Caldwell, who in January 14th of 2015, Tommy, along with his partner, Kevin Jorgensen, made the first free ascent of the Don Wall on Yosemite's El Capitan. It's an incredible feat. It's the hardest wall to climb on El Capitan. And Tommy and his partner, Kevin, did it in about 19 days. They've got a new documentary that's screening at South by Southwest this weekend and soon will be available to watch on demand. But before we get to that, here's a word from our sponsors at Mattress Farm. Let's keep the ball rolling, shall we? Everyone knows how important stretching is before an event. So does Mattress Firm, except it's your dollar. Your budget stretches further when you're shopping at America's neighborhood mattress store. It's a true home run and you'll have a ball. They're the head coaches when it comes to mattress expertise. But know this, they're more than mattress experts. They have a game plan that helps you transform your mattress into a bed. From adjustable bases and sheets to headboards and bedroom decor, they have you literally and figuratively covered up like your favorite cornerback. Go to mattressfirm.com slash for the win to see what deals are happening. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I'm about it. To, to kick things off, I know that people always ask this question, but I do think it's just important to, to get it out there. Why was it so important for you to make this free climb? Um, you know, I didn't ask you that question that much. Believe me. Um, you know, just in my world of rock climbing, like the sport that I do, what I obsessed about it was kind of the it was kind of the next best big thing. It was like the you know it was the, I like I love living by goals, and it was a very clear. Um, awesome goal that allowed me to obsess over it, and um, yeah, it was kind of my way to be be an explorer too, you know, to, to kind of figure out if I could do something in in kind of a new way. So, can you explain for a lot of our listeners, readers who may not know the difference between free climbing and regular rock climbing? Um, because I know there's lots of different levels. Yeah, so so free climbing uh, simply means you're climbing the surface of the rock using your hands and your feet. You have the ropes there, but only to protect you in case you fall. Um, it's a distinction from aid climbing where you're actually climbing the equipment. Like you, you put metal metal bits into the rock, you st- you put um, stirrups in them, and you kind of climb these these stirrups, and that's that's aid climbing. So free climbing is just exactly what you do in a climbing gym. And, uh, but you do have the, the ropes just in case you fall. Right, yeah. Exactly. And I was watching the documentary, which is fantastic, and it kind of takes you through, you know, your, it's a 19-day journey, right? Right, yeah, the final climb took us 19 days. So the final climb took you 19 days, and there's lots of really um, kind of heart-stopping moments where you take a couple of serious falls, uh, are you? Do you think about falling as you prepare for a climb like this? Uh, yeah, you know that climb was particularly scary because the protection that was available put in the rock was pretty bad. So it takes a lot of getting used to. That's one of the things we were doing for all those years is kind of getting used to falling. I mean, the thing about that route is there aren't ledges to hit. You can fall quite far and not get hurt because the ropes are stretchy. But getting used to falling a long ways when you're thousands of feet off the ground is. 
something that's easy to get used to. How, how does that mental process work? Is it just something that you fall on a lot so you kind of know what to expect? Yeah, you spend a lot of time up there. You get used to the exposure. Um, you take little falls. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of you test it out, and then you progressively, progressively allow yourself to climb farther and farther above the anchor points. Um, and let's get back to the Dawn Wall. So why was it why was it the Dawn Wall specifically that kind of captured your imagination? Because while the climb itself only took yeah, and I say only, was 19 days. I know that the preparation for it stretched over years and that you had made a couple of earlier attempts that didn't really pan out. What is it about the Dawn Wall that was so captivating? I mean, El Cap is center stage for rock climbers, El Capitan. Mm-hmm. And this was sort of the biggest, steepest section of the wall. I had reclimbed for nearly 15 years on that wall on different, you know, on aspects that were much easier. And this was kind of the one that everybody looked up there and they're like, I want that. I wonder if that would be possible. And uh, so what is this process like for you? Can you, from when it was like a glimmer in your mind to, hey, maybe we should really, really try to do this to reaching the top. How long was that whole process? Uh, so it was about seven years total. Um, and so the, the very first part of the process was just sort of investigating to see if there were actually climbable holds that reached from the top, from the bottom of the wall all the way to the top. And that was probably nearly 50 days of sort of swinging around on ropes and doing a bunch of aid climbing and rappelling down from above. And, um, you know, the difference between what's possible and what's not is, you know, sometimes it comes down to a few little edges that are like the size of a matchstick or something. So you really, you have your face close to the wall and you're scanning the entire wall for this giant 3,000 foot um, rock. So that just figuring out if, if, it, if you think it's possible is kind of the first step. Um, but when, once you find that line of holds, it's still only theoretically possible because linking it all together, doing all the climbing consecutively is a whole other thing. And so once you find the line, then you just start working on it bit by bit. And then you link together all the, all the pieces and rehearse the moves, you know, much like a gymnastics routine or something. You rehearse them over and over again. And then you go home and you train and you try and get better and you try and get stronger. Um, and then there's like a whole... There's a ton of logistical elements involved in living in that vertical world for many, many days at a time. So you kind of have to overcome the weather obstacles and the skin wearing out. You know, we invented new gear for this climb. Um, It's a very, very complicated process. Yeah, and one of the things that really comes through is that you guys lived on the wall for close to three weeks, and you're just hanging off of a tent. What are some of the logistics of that like? I I saw that you had food delivered, and you had a, a documentary film crew obviously following this entire adventure, so in a sense, it was bigger than just you two. Yeah, yeah, it was we had to have three of us up there on the wall the whole time and some other filmmakers would come up. So we had, we had fixed ropes all the way to the ground so that the film crew could ascend those ropes. We pre, we pre-staffed our camps. It was a little bit like how they do big Himalayan mountains in a way. We made a base camp and we pre-equipped it with a bunch of food and water. And then we had a porter essentially that could be on call and bring more if the climb took us longer. Um, yeah, and so we were able to, therefore, focus more on on just being up there and climbing. 
And what is the risk factor for something that for something like this? I know that every climb is kind of inherently dangerous because you can't really plan for certain things. Um, but this seems riskier than most. You know, it's not riskier than than a lot. There were the risky thing on this climb was the fact that to get the conditions, um, you know, to get proper conditions to climb that hard, you need it to be quite cold because your skin's harder and your shoe rubber is harder when it's really cold. But when it's cold, that means it's winter, and then you can get ice falling down the wall. So probably our main danger was was ice fall. Um, and that was, you know, that was hard to take. It was something that we had to constantly weigh. Um, we did get in some scary situations. Um, what was the scariest yeah, part? But, well, there was a big, there was a storm that came through and dumped a little bit of precipitation. And so when that happens, that that water freezes to the wall high above you. And then when the sun hits it, it breaks off and, and chunks of ice start to fall down the wall. And you guys did a lot of your climbing at night, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, one thing, one thing, we could hide in our portal edges during the day, and that, that would help deflect the ice. Like if a giant chunk of ice hit us, it could potentially obliterate our portal edges, but we could kind of hide in there during the ice fall. And then at night, it's cold enough that the ice stays frozen to the walls. So it was safer to climb at night, and um, it was also better conditions, like it was colder. So the shoe rubber was, like I said, the shoe, shoe rubber shoe rubber was harder and our skin on our fingertips was more durable at night. So talk to me a little bit about the dynamic of doing this with a partner. Um, I know that while you guys had that whole team of people with you, like porters and camera crew and stuff, um, it was just you two making the actual climb or free climbing it. What was the di- dynamic like between the two of you? I mean, it was... Uh... It was a it was a long relationship. Like we worked on this thing together for a long time, and um, you know we became brothers. Um, you know, and, and that encompasses everything. Like we fought, we loved. You know, we loved each other. We, uh, yeah. I mean, I think one of the one of the coolest parts of the climb for me was um, the fact that we decided to stick together in the end. Um, you know, there it is possible to just have to be the support crew and focus all your energy into the other person you know, completing the climb, and we could have done that, and mm-hmm. we decided not to. We wanted to do it together. Was there was there ever an instance where either one of you or both of you wanted to give up? Like, this just didn't uh, work? Yeah, you know, we did over the years. In the seven-year process, there was a couple occasions where we were just like, no, we're done. We're completely done with this. And then, and then it would get under our skin, and we'd end up going back. Um... So in that final 19 days, though, after about day 10 or so, we knew that this was our chance. Like, if we were going to do it, this was going to be our chance. Mm-hmm. And then Kevin started having trouble. So he, you know, what, but but he stuck it out until he finished it. Like, he could have given up. He was really close to giving up um, in that 19-day push, but he didn't. Was there a part where you were close to giving up or, or some place where you thought it might not work? In that in that final nineteen day push, yeah. In no, that final nineteen really, days, things, yeah, things went really well for me. Um, the one other question that I wanted to ask you, just in terms of rock climbing, because you have finished this ascent, uh, something that hasn't been done before. 
Um, and I know that Alex uh, Honnold, who did a free climb of El Capitan without any ropes, can you kind of contextualize? Yeah, solo, yeah. Can you guys like kind of contextualize that because that seems crazy. Yeah. So what Alex did is he climbed. We climbed the hardest route on El Cap. Like yeah. what we did was the hardest, the hardest individual route. Um, Alex climbed the easiest free climb on El Cap, but he did without ropes. So it's it's a very different thing. Um, we fell all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we we relied on that equipment constantly. Alex had to get to a point where he knew he wasn't going to fall, and what he did was, you know, mind blowing, absolutely extraordinary. Um, but just kind of a different game, really. Right, but two very different things. Yeah. Um, what is... His, his is way more like about... I mean, they're both about mental mastery, I guess, but his is like, he's got this ability to control his fear like nobody else does, and that was what was so unique about his climb, is that it took this unreal ability to just be so confident in your in your ability to climb that high off the ground. And that and, You know, and even though it's the easier... Yeah, so talk about your mental state for a little bit. There's a lot of physical challenges um, you, you talked about, especially in the documentary. You can see, you know, your hands really starting to crack and bleed and your skin has to be tough. Um, what about some of the mental challenges that you face? Um, I mean, I think belief, <laughs> believing that you're going to, that that either, that it, that it could happen in the end or believing that, that even if you fail, it's going to all be worth it. Like kind of keeping that positivity is something that's, that's really hard to, I don't know, just keep hold of for that many years. Um, you know, sort of keeping your head up after year, year after year of failure. <laughs> um, so that's part of it. Um, and so that's, you can kind of think of that on the grand scale, but also on a move by move basis, when you're climbing the difficult sections of the climb, you have to really believe you're going to execute. I mean, if you think of Olympians, the ones who, who are, who are performing quite well, they have to really have this confidence that they're going to have that gold medal performance. And we have to try and get there um, as much as we can while we're up there. Yeah. And in the documentary, I mean, it really, when you're kind of looking at it from far away, it doesn't look like there's any place for you guys to hold on to as you're climbing. It's the holds are very, very small. So um, I guess belief is just a huge part of it. So now that you're a couple of years removed from the experience, what do you think is the, is the biggest takeaway from it? Um, you know, I think that uh, we were absolutely shocked by how the climb became sort of a symbol of dreaming big. And, you know, it was a, it was a special experience for me. Like, I don't know if I'm ever going to have something, you know, similar to that in the past. And I guess... The main takeaway, though, is if you have something that you really, really want, um, I, I decided, like, the only reason that I was able to do it in the end is because I kind of got to this point where I was like, even if I don't do it, this process of trying to become better is worth it. And so I think I, I live my life that way more now. Um, it's just way more about the process. All right. Well, this has been really great, really enlightening. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you.